All right, here we are again for our second episode of Finding Peaks uh, talk show. And my name is Brandon Burns, and I'm joined here again by my colleagues and friends, uh, Clinton Nicholson and Jason Friesma. Welcome back to the show, guys. Thank Thanks, you, Brandon. Thank you for having me. Yeah, <laughs> so good to be here. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Glad to, glad to see your more authentic selves are showing up in the second episode. <laughs> yeah. Every show is a journey. There yeah, we go. And we're on it. Um, so coming into this episode, uh, over the past week, um, you know, really surveying company culture and the ins and outs of what we do each and every day, um, uh, the, the milieu fluctuates throughout each and every day in attitudes about what's in front of them. It could be the meal that's in front of them. It could be um, mainly the needs or the things that we need to provide to patient care to make this go well. But what I often find in delivering the services and building up a program to make things well for the individual so they can focus on themselves and their internal recovery process, um, that we end up finding a lot of distractions along the way. Sometimes our cooking by, you know, from our chef isn't at the level in which they would expect to see it at. Sometimes the pillow is just a little bit too rough and different mm -hmm. from home and distracts them from the recovery process. And all of these things, um, seemingly get in the way of recovery at times, even when they're seemingly very small situations. And so really just wanted to, you know, create a discussion around, um, you know, for the viewers and for families, you know, what are the actual responsibilities of a treatment center and what do treatment centers need to do to, you know, uh, bring clients in front of the recovery journey and reduce those distractions you know, along the way. So, you know, from my position, certainly I want to provide a nutritious meal um, to our patient demographic, but at the same time, we're not a restaurant, and that's not why we're in business, to create the best possible five-star meal in that regard. So, um, though it's important to deliver those things, I just kind of wanted to walk through maybe your thoughts around the purpose of treatment, uh, maybe how to reduce those distractions, but really, how does a treatment center properly engage the client in care? Wow, big, big question, good yeah. lead-in. Uh, it's almost like when, I, I think it's, it's important for a treatment center to provide for the basic safety of clients and to create um, some space for them to feel safe and be safe uh, from the things that were around them. But the things you listed like uh, food not being up to par or um, the pillow's a little too firm, it's almost like those are maybe distractions from uh, somebody being on a, on a recovery journey. Oftentimes during a clinical process or during uh, a counseling process or recovery process, clients are uncomfortable and they'll take that internal discomfort, uh, emotional internal discomfort, and then uh, project it onto other things and uh, really zero in on those things. Now, it doesn't mean that the client isn't experiencing these complaints uh, with all sincerity. Uh, and I do think it's the, the, a treatment organization and a clinical team's job almost to, to bring the focus back on like, okay, your pillow's uncomfortable. How are you uncomfortable? Mm. <laughs> yeah, see, yeah. that's a counseling <clears throat> well thing. Played. Yeah, well yeah. played. Yeah, yeah. You're welcome. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I think that um, first and foremost, we're there to provide safety. And, but the point of providing safety for the client's is actually so that we can then disrupt them, right? So that we can then create a, 
allow them to experience discomfort in a way that is where they feel stable and secure and safe enough to work through that and process through that. So um, if we were to sit there and, and work to, to try to um, put out every fire or quell every, every sort of um, little nagging uh, issue that somebody comes up with, then we're actually not really preparing the client to go back out into the world and deal with disruption because that's what life is. It's just constant, this sort of constant state of being disrupted. And um, when you're in active addiction, part of that, the role of the addiction and the role of the substance use is to, act, is to sort of uh, kind of nullify that or numb that out. And now we want clients to, to actually embrace that again, to, to sort of walk back into being awake and being and feeling disrupted and, and feeling um, sort of disjointed in their life. And so being able to, like Jason said, help people uh, become aware of, you know, well, yeah, yeah, the pillow is uncomfortable, so why are you uncomfortable? Again, that's bringing that awareness back inside of them and um, allows them to sort of move through that and develop the skills needed to sort of uh, kind of face life on life's terms. Yeah. I think one of the major considerations is to create that environment of safety, um, you know, especially in influencing a business and growing it out. You know, one of the things I always talk to families about when I get the opportunity to get them on the phone is that, you know, over the course of, you know, therapy, we talk about what triggers you to use drugs and alcohol. I'm driving down the, you know, the road, I get a phone call from a friend, they say, let's go to the movie. And I think, oh, when I go to the movies, it triggers me to want to smoke pot or, you know, shoot over, whatever it is that makes that a more enticing environment. But if we've been using drugs and alcohol for a period of five to 10 years, we're talking about not just going to the movies triggering, you know, usage of pot, we're potentially talking about hundreds if not thousands of potential triggers. And it seems though that the intention of the treatment center is to provide a safety or a space of safety for the individual coming in, one of the benefits of coming in and sort of not checking all boxes along the way is that we actually get to trigger them in the process and get to see their real world experiences sort of take place in front of us and then get to you know work with them through that. Well, yeah, I'll push back just a little. I don't, like we don't <clears throat> maybe intentionally trigger right. clients. Like we don't, I don't think it's healthy to like set the Jack Daniels bottle on the middle right. of a group and be like, okay, everybody, right. you know, like, everybody smell it and what comes up for you. Yeah. Um, because the, 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 the triggers are internal, right? Most of those, like the, the movie analogy that you made, like that makes a lot of sense, but what is it about that? That nostalgia mm. feeling or that like sense of comfort or getting out of your house or whatever it is, um, in, in any length of time, um, and, and setting the right tone in a, in a treatment center, like all those things are gonna come up. Clients are going to feel triggered through no effort of our own that's just gonna come up. And, and we do, uh, hopefully, at Peaks, provide a good, um, well, prompt at times, like pushing people into discomfort. And, and when is the pillow's discomfort not about the pillow? When is it about your own discomfort? Or what, what is increasing your fear, making you want to be in control of everything over here? Um, those are kind of those prompts. So I just want to clarify that, that, that you know, like... Just being sober for 30 days and being in, in a recovery program is going to provide all of its own triggers and prompts uh, mm -hmm. necessary for yeah. good clinical growth. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. I think that uh, generally speaking, like again, life is a ball of triggers, right? So, yeah. um, and in a recovery environment, the, the one thing that I would actually say that's maybe a little bit different than Jason is 
so one of the sort of phenomenon of the recovery journey, or especially in uh, like a residential level of care, is you, this idea uh, or experience of the pink cloud, where for the first time in maybe years in your life, you, you're sober, you have clarity, again, you feel safe because we've done our job as a facility and as a program to help you feel safe, to help you build community, to feel supported, to have access to people that care about you and listen to you and, and want to be there to support you. And then all of a sudden, there's this like overwhelming feeling of like, I'm great, you know, like everything is good. I feel fantastic, you know, I'm ready to go do this. And we're talking like we're on day 14 of their actual recovery. And so being able to um, clinically kind of predict that and also develop strategies, clinical strategies that are intentionally built to sort of disrupt that process and sort of that, that sort of false sense of security or at least um, that uh, a, a sense of security that is much more fragile than it feels or is perceived, I do think is really important. I think that, um, you know, my personal belief is that if it's not messy, it's not recovery, you know? And sometimes we do need to go in there. It's not like we're purposefully giving people like, you know, really crappy pillows, you right. know, or like only feeding them Taco Bell or something like that, but we're doing, re <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no offense, Taco Bell is not a sponsor. So um, yeah, uh, but you know, being able to provide, you know, like not too long ago we did, a, you, you have this sort of experiential interventions of like something like capture the flag, where all of a sudden something that is a fairly benign game that kids play becomes this like extreme life experience where you have competition and conflict and uh, communication issues and um, feelings of insecurity come up. I mean, so you really, you know, to speak to Jason's point again, you don't really have to do a whole lot, right? Like, because it will sort of come up naturally, but at the same time, to some degree, treatment has to be designed towards, uh, to, to provide a little bit of discomfort or at least motivate that to the degree that people can continue to grow and not get stuck in a false sense of safety. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, facilities, purpose and goal is to provide quality care and create that safety environment, but it seems like discomfort's a really important piece of the process and, at times, uh, through challenging, uh, you know, clients in that regard, that um, that's what creates sort of the, the clinical fervor and motivation for change, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think so. It is this balance, right? That that we do provide this safe space for there to be this disruption, and then helping clients see that they can resolve it, hopefully mm -hmm. on their own, that they can learn to regulate uh, their emotions in that way, and and tolerate some distress in their life and not decompensate. Um, I often find that when I'm working with clients, like they'll, they'll have a feeling good or bad, happy, sad, mad, glad, whatever it is. And in some ways their, their process is usually, I have, I'm feeling a feeling I need to do something about it. Usually that alone can be triggering. Like I, I am feeling happy, I need to celebrate that. Or I'm feeling afraid, so I need to do something about that. And, and sometimes it's just about helping people slow down and, and let emotions resolve on their own. And I think providing that safety uh, when capture the flag stimulates some sort of response in people, helping them have that response and then also resolve it and get to the other side and provide that, that net where we can kind of catch them and, and help them be safe and, and regulate that on their own. Absolutely. So sounds like through creating a safe environment, we are also creating discomfort along the way. And so now 
Johnny who's in programming experiencing discomfort, whatever that discomfort is, and having a difficult time engaging in therapy, wants to pick up the phone, call mom, dad, family members, somebody say, pick me up, this isn't working, I'm irritated, I'm frustrated, this isn't meeting my needs. What should we be telling the families um, in this regard? Like, what is their responsibility in this process when they get that phone call? And not just under you know, that strict criteria, but what are they doing in the background to, for themselves, in the direction of their loved one's care, and how can a facility support that? Well, preparing a family that Johnny's gonna call and say, you know, in a few weeks when the, he falls off the pink cloud or his, his little mm -hmm. bubble bursts a little bit, like he's gonna get uncomfortable, we can predict that. And, um, and just like I said a minute ago, when the clients kind of have a feeling and they think they need to do something about it, they've oftentimes trained family members that, hey, I'm feeling uncomfortable, you need to do something about it. And really helping people disconnect from that. And it is why you know, we, we do tend to kind of make sure that we, we really manage phone calls to families well and, and contact with families um, because usually there needs to be some healing space for the family as well. But we can tell families, like, you, your job is just kind of hold firm and honestly get into your own recovery journey, whatever that might look like, uh, and through whatever means necessary, whether it's counseling or other community or church-type support meetings and that sort of thing. So, um, Because if we can predict, the, if, we, if we can sit here and talk about it, then we certainly know it's going to happen. And then if a family knows that, hey, in three weeks, like, you might get a call that, they're dysregulated and they'll be they'll complain about um you know the the bread was too crunchy today at breakfast and so i i gotta go uh the family's gonna be prepared to be like um cool and how about if you don't leave right. yeah right. yeah i mean this is the family guru over here so he's the he's yeah. the guy to ask uh, yeah absolutely <laughs> uh no i i think jason's spot on it's a there's a a tremendous amount of preparation and communication that has to go on outside of the actual residential world or outside the actual facilities that the, that the uh, actual client is working in. I mean, just as much work is happening on the outside as, it, as there is on the inside. And really uh, engaging families and um, prepping them to hold these boundaries that are, uh, like Jason spoke to, can be really malleable because of the, um, the relationship of the disease, well, the sort of, um, dynamics that have occurred throughout the, the client's active addiction where there's a sort of rescue moment that step where the, you know, the parent feels and uh, hears the sort of call of their child to be saved and you know, there's, that's the instinct is to go and save them. And so mm -hmm. being able to sort of dial that down or um, help families kind of push against that instinct or that um, it, is, it requires a lot of work. You know, like that's a very intentional thing that has to happen. So. Um, and then for myself, I also like to prepare the clients for the fact that, hey, by the way, in about two weeks, the bread's going to feel, it's going to taste really crusty. Yeah. You know, like you're going to have this moment in your treatment arc where you're going to want to leave and you're going to have, so let's explore all of the different reasons why you would think that you might want to leave. You know, whether it's your own family, it's like I have kids, I've got bills to pay, I've got a job, I've, you know, I don't like crusty bread, whatever it is you know, sort of prepping them as well to be able to acknowledge these moments when they happen before they do. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I, one of uh, the families who, whose loved one recently went through uh, Peaks Recovery, you know, on the phone with her, right as he's entering treatment, she says, I just don't know what I'm gonna do, not having my phone blown up all the time with him being angry at me or him asking for money for drugs or for him asking for money to for some strange story that took place in his life or you know whatever the case is and 
it seems like in a way they've become sort of wrapped around the trauma of addiction in that regard. Um, maybe for a lack of better words that I, you guys can better inform me. Well, with. I'll, I'll use the words. Okay. The kid's addicted to drugs, the family's addicted to the kid being addicted to drugs. Yeah. It's a very similar process. Right. Absolutely. Powerlessness, unmanageability, yeah. all those same kind of processes yeah. occur. Yeah. Um, and so recovery is also really important to break that. Absolutely. And, and getting some sobriety yeah. time and detox time, if you will, from the drama. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Addiction is a disease that permeates all levels of family, mm -hmm. all levels of relationships. I mean, it's something that, you know, just the, the person who is engaging in substance use is not the only person that is struggling with addiction at that point. So I think being able to wrap around families, wrap around uh, loved ones that have been struggling with this disease and, and treating it just like they are experiencing the same level of crisis as um, as their loved one. I think that that's really vital and really important. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and out of those experiences of intensity, I think just, you know, reminding families, too, that they're a part of this healing journey. Directionally, they're getting uh, their healing in the background just as much and should put, you know, a solid amount of energy into that process as well, too, whether supported by our staff at a place like, you know, Peaks Recovery Centers or Beyond the Walls through Al-Anon and these sorts of things. Um, I think are quite promising. So, um, so yeah, in that regard, I know we're getting close to the edge of our time here, but just one more aspect of this is what should we be telling families about um, the patient's responsibility in this? What do they need to be focused on going you know, through the recovery process, be mindful of? Because to me, care is directional. So what I'm stating here is that um, what I'm trying to state is that oftentimes you hear post-recovery, oh, the treatment program didn't work for me, that you know, spaghetti meal didn't work for me, and that's why I left. Whatever the case might be, that there's a challenge in there that the facility could have done better, certainly, maybe in those moments, but what is it maybe that the client or the patient's missing in that moment? Because a big part of this is their volitional participation and staying focused and directional to resolve uh, the current state that they're in. So what do we got to, you know, sort of educate the, the patient demographic on here about their responsibility throughout this process? Wow. I, I guess I would say, and it piggybacks on what Clinton was saying, is just being able to predict and describe the process, that, that a removal of a substance does not mean recovery. And in fact, it's merely the beginning of a much longer journey, and being able to say, you know, you're not gonna get sober and in two weeks everything's fine with your family and your life's coming back together and your court issues are now over and everything is great. Like the, the, there's a lot um, to be committed to as far as like kind of a longer term process and a journey. I, I would just say <coughs> predicting a journey, yeah. my nice little counselor speak. Yeah. Now clean it up for me. Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, like, the removal of a substance, the only sure thing that that's going to do is trigger the desire to use substances. Right. So yeah. if you... You'll get if to you, the why really quick. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, so if you... Um, and then the majority, especially in early recovery, that addict mind, that addict brain, I mean, on a physiological level, is just going to do anything possible, say anything possible, attach to anything possible to make sure that that, that drive is, is satiated, you know? And so... Uh, just being really upfront about that and really real, very realistic about that. It's, you know, the, hey, by the way, you're an addict, so you're going to experience cravings because 
you have a pretty strong addiction and your brain is going to tell you as you get more and more uncomfortable that the only way I can do this is by getting out of here to go use and whatever means necessary. Uh, all of, and again, that's when all of a sudden the bread is crusty, the pillows are, uh, are lumpy, you know, the, the uh, I don't know, you know, the, the steak wasn't cooked perfectly medium today, you know, whatever the case may be, all of, your brain is going to, to, going to attach to anything and we're going to be here to stand by you while you ride that out because that's the most important part is that in those moments you stay still with us and that you allow us to support you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think day in and day out, you know, at peaks, you know, whether it's 24, you know, hours of a stabilized, you know, client that we sort of rinse, wash, repeat throughout each and every day to inform the patient of why they're experiencing that distress or walk through that with them to reach back out to the family to walk them through their distress and so forth. And, you know, if anything, I think here just leaving, you know, the, the viewers of the show with the fact that, um, you know, addiction is a complex process with many moving parts. And in addiction treatment centers, I think there are these three really crucial components of it, what the facility does, what the family is doing in the background, and what the patient is doing within their care. And um, yeah, I just appreciate you guys chiming in on this. And um, thanks for joining us for our second episode ever uh, at the Finding Peaks talk show. And we look forward to uh, next week's episode, and we'll see you all soon. Thank you.